I'm Ferdinand Kutzer from Kutzer Farms in Atkins, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Can you believe 2022 is half over? That's right. We have officially hit the halfway point. Boy, it has flown by fast, but that hasn't slowed us down. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA released their big planted acreage report. And the numbers show that we've got a bit more corn than we were expecting, a bit less soybean acreage, and about the same cotton acreage as we've been expecting. We'll have all those numbers and some experts' reaction coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the feed yards of the Texas High Plains, we're seeing more of those dairy cross calves these days. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The National Weather Service is calling for very hot, continued triple-digit temperatures across Texas and very little precipitation during the month of July. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that forecast on Texas Ag Today. A lot of issues face Texas farmers and ranchers, from weather to markets to regulations. But can you imagine farming in a war zone? Texas growers heard about it firsthand from a Ukraine farmer. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released the latest estimate of planted crop acreage in the U.S., showing farmers planting more corn than the agency estimated back in March. The March number was 89.5 million acres. Now that's higher. We're now estimating 89.9 million acres planted for corn. That's up half a percent or just uh, 431,000 acres from the March intentions. Still down 3.7 percent from what was planted last season. That's Lance Honing with the National Ag Statistics Service. The market had a sharp reaction to that increase in acreage, dropping as much as 35 cents on new crop corn. Now, just the opposite happened with soybeans. Honig says back in March, farmers were expected to plant a huge 91 million acres of beans, but that was cut sharply in Friday's report. 88.3 million acres uh, estimated to be planted. That's down 2.9% from the March intentions. The cotton acreage number came in at 12.5 million acres. That's about what we've been expecting all year long. And cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says that's exactly what he was expecting. 
Uh, yes, it was. it was. It was spot on, and I think from uh, compared to intentions, what we had had it expected is what it showed, that we had a little bit higher plantings in the southwest, specifically Texas, and uh, those plantings did occur, uh, and the harvest is going to be entirely different, as you well know. And that is the key. This is planted acreage. And the estimate has nothing to do with how many acres will actually get harvested. USDA counts if it goes in the ground. It doesn't matter. This is planted, and uh, if it was washed out two days later or one day later, it was still got planted, and that's the way USDA does it, and they've always done it, so we, we're used to it. So it's, uh, yeah, we, we're going, yo, we, y'all, uh, Texas is going to have some difficulties and everything I pick up, both South Texas as well, and, and the Bend is certainly uh, West Texas and the, and the rolling plains. The Texas drought has been affecting the new crop cotton contract all year long, and Dr. Cleveland says he expects that to continue. I think very much it is. I think we're going to see something like at most five and a half million bales coming out of the state of Texas. I can easily see the crop crop dropping down to five million bales, but I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. Here's some specific numbers from the planted acreage report on Friday. All cotton, 12.5 million acres, as we mentioned, up 11% from last year. Upland cotton, 12.3 million acres. Pima cotton estimated at 156,000 acres. That's up 23% from 2021. Texas High Plains feed yards are seeing more dairy cross calves. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. If you look inside the pens of Texas High Plains feed yards, you're always going to find plenty of what people in the industry refer to as native calves. Native being a term that describes traditional beef animals from breeds like Hereford and Angus. But these days, more and more pen space is being allocated to what are called dairy cross calves, animals that are the result of crossbreeding beef and dairy cattle. Levi Berry is the general manager for the Mike Smith group of feed yards, which began working with dairy cross calves about 10 years ago. One of the larger dairies that we bought Holstein steer calves from started to crossbreed a little bit on their Jersey cows. So most of their milk was going to cheese production and they had predominantly a Jersey herd. And so they started using black limousine bulls on those Jersey cows to produce the calves that they didn't have the intent to retain as replacement females. So we were feeding the dairy steer calves and just transitioned over to these with some of the same people that we had been dealing with for some time. Barry says the dairy cross calves provide feed yards with an effective way to supplement their purchases of native calves and also provide a boost to milk producers. This system allows the dairy to create more of a co-product and increase the value of that animal to the beef sector. And that's predominantly because crossbreeding them with a beef bull enhances the carcass attributes. They become closer to being the same as a beef animal from a carcass standpoint. So they're fairly high grading cattle. They're predominantly all black hided. So they qualify for the Angus programs and the cattle stay relatively lean in terms of yield grade. We'll hear more from Levi Berry about dairy cross calves and their role in beef production in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One of the hottest months of the year is officially here. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the hot weather forecast for July. My guest today is Tom Bradshaw. He is with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth, meteorologist in charge. And Tom, we are 
in the month of July, and it's already been hot and dry across Texas for several weeks. So uh, what's the forecast for this month uh, for the state as we look at the drought monitor that shows a lot of abnormally dry to exceptional drought regions in Texas? It's good to be with you again, Tom, and I wish I had better news. Unfortunately, we got a nice early start to the summer season back in June. We had many, many cities that had well above normal in terms of the number of 100-degree days. For example, Waco had at least 16 days above normal, above 100 degrees. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to be seeing more of the same in the month of July. It's much above normal temperature-wise, and it's going to be below normal precipitation-wise. We'll see a lot of highs above 100 degrees across most of the state, large parts of the state are probably going to see very little rainfall except the possibility of perhaps a stray tropical system affecting us at some point during the month. Yes, and certainly uh, this hot, uh, dry weather uh, does not bode well for uh, farmers, for ranchers, people living in the cities. It's, It's a difficult thing. It absolutely is. Your urban centers, Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, other large cities, uh, they're basically heat islands. And so we're going to see temperatures above 100 degrees on a, on a, probably a number of days during the month of July. And then at night, temperatures will struggle to get below 80 degrees in many locations. So it's going to be important for folks to take care of their neighbors and take care of their loved ones, make sure that everyone has a means of staying cool and staying safe during this uh, extended heat wave. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Can you imagine farming in a war zone? Gary Joyner tells us Texas farmers and ranchers heard about it firsthand from a Ukraine farmer. Texas farmers and ranchers are staring at many hurdles right now, drought, high fuel costs, and record inflation, to name a few. But farming in a war zone, that's an extra high hurdle that Texas growers can only imagine. Ukraine farmer Canellis Case Hoizinga described the reality of his situation to Texas farmers and ranchers during a live Zoom conversation at the recent Texas Farm Bureau Summer Conference. Hoizinga has farmed in central Ukraine for 20 years. He is part of the Global Farmer Network based in Des Moines, Iowa. He says the biggest problem right now is that Ukraine cannot export what it grows. 75% of the nation's wheat and other commodities must be sold elsewhere. But ports on the Black Sea that handle exports are now closed due to a Russian naval blockade. More than 20 million tons of grain are stranded. And another crop harvest is nearing. Hoizinga says yields for many Ukraine farmers will fall by as much as 40% because they lacked access to the ordinary tools of production. With ports closed, there are dire predictions of food shortages and famine in those countries dependent on Ukraine grain. He could not predict where he, Ukraine agriculture, and his country might be in six months. There are too many unknowns from a war that may not end soon. His comments offered Texas growers a valuable perspective. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. If you plan on hitting the lakes this 4th of July weekend, be sure to take the time to prevent the spread of invasive species. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And stomach ulcers in horses can be difficult and expensive to prevent. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. 
I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Stomach ulcers in horses can be difficult and expensive to prevent. But Dr. Bob Judd says the correct diet can be very helpful. Stomach or gastric ulcers can be a frustrating disease to prevent, and medication to use continually to prevent ulceration is expensive. However, Dr. Nicholas Galini from Ghent University in Belgium indicates in the horse publication that new data shows decreased forage and large high sugar and starch meals are associated with the development of gastric ulcers. This is the first study that actually proves this association, and the researchers looked for ulcers in the squamous portion of the stomach or the upper third of the stomach. This is the area that is not protected from stomach acid, as in most cases, acid does not contact this area of the stomach. However, when horses are in training, exercise causes acid to splash up on the unprotected area of the stomach and causes ulcers. A low level of forage intake is linked with the splash effect, as the presence of forage in the stomach reduces the free gastric juice, preventing the splash effect. Also, the proper amount of forage consumed throughout the day, as well as free grazing, stimulates saliva production and reduces the time the stomach is empty, and saliva also increases the stomach pH. The horses with squamous gastric ulcer disease consume more sugar and starches per meal than the horses without gastric ulcers. High sugar and starch diets are also associated with low fiber content in the diet. Just increasing the forage in the diet may not be enough to decrease gastric ulcers, as long as you are also feeding high sugar and starch feeds. Ask your veterinarian about diets to decrease gastric ulcers. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you have hit the lake for the 4th of July holiday, be sure to take the time to prevent the spread of invasive species. Jessica Domel tells how in today's wildlife report. If you plan on fishing, boating, or paddleboarding this 4th of July, be sure to schedule in some time to clean, drain, and dry your watercraft and gear to prevent invasive species like zebra mussels and quagga mussels from hitching a ride to another water body on your boat. Invasive plants and aquatic species like giant salvinia, water hyacinth, zebra mussels, crested floating heart, and quagga mussels can spread quickly and prevent recreation, harm native species, and impact both water quality and control. For example, zebra mussels have sharp shells that can litter shorelines. Giant salvinia, a free-floating fern, can double its size in a week, creating a thick mat that makes boating, swimming, and fishing nearly impossible. To prevent these species from spreading to non-infected lakes, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is urging everyone who has a watercraft to remove all plants, mud, and debris from boats, trailers, vehicles, and gear before leaving the lake. Drain all water from the boat, equipment, and onboard receptacles before you leave the water. And let the boat dry before you visit another water body, preferably for a week. If that is not possible, 
Wash the boat and all compartments using a car wash or a spray nozzle. In addition, boaters who have a watercraft on one of the lakes infested with invasive species must decontaminate their watercraft properly before leaving that lake. A map of infected lakes and an instructional video on how to properly clean, drain, and dry is available on texasinvasives.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Traders were ready to shut things down and hit the road for the July 4th holiday. So how did the markets react to the upcoming long weekend? Jessica will be back with a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex found some support Friday, headed into the three-day weekend, and ended up trading higher for much of the day. August live cattle up $2.02 to $134.60. October live cattle up $1.20 to $139.97. August feeder cattle up $0.90 to $174.50. September feeder cattle up $1.42 to $177.65. Boxed beef was mixed. Choice down 47 cents to $263.53. Select up 3 cents to $240.60. Now let's check our livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. They had a sheep and goat sale, two-day sale in San Angelo. Gosh, I think we sold over 9,000 head. Let's talk to Benny about how the prices went. The slaughter nanny market from 110 to $2, uh, mostly 117 to 138 uh, The really fleshy ones, some of those sold awful good. Looking at these uh, these slaughter billies, uh, most of those kind of 2 to 265 on those bigger mature billies. Those, those coming yearling, you know, kind of billies weighing 85 to up near 100 that were real smooth. Some of those things bring up there, you know, up there near 350 a pound. Uh, the range on the wool feeder lambs are anywhere from oh two dollars to 245 uh on the slaughter lambs those hair sheep type 230 to 275 on the lighter end of them with the heavyweights from 220 to 260 hair sheep u lambs some of those brought up to as high as 287 uh looking at the uh, slaughter use they sell and race some of those thin ones all the way down there to 70 up to as high as 132 the most of them sold in that 83 to 115 range on the kid goats they sell from two to 360, mostly 220 to 337, uh, with some of those real fancy mutton, some of those up to as high as 405. 
Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Well, they can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office is the same area code, 653-3371, or you can always look at the web. And one thing to remember is we'll have no sales next week, no sheep sales or cattle sales. So don't bring them to San Angelo. Benny Cox, thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Adios. My name's Larry Marble. Good day to you. July lean hogs up 47 cents to 109.60. August lean hogs up 87 cents to 102.97. July class 3 milk down 9 cents to 22.44 hundred weight. August class 3 milk down 48 cents to 22.34 a hundred weight. Cotton risked going limit down on Friday, but holiday squaring prevented that. We still saw losses though. July cotton down 26 points to 103.68. December cotton down 136 points to 97.48. Analysts say the declines are the result of traders anticipating the three-day 4th of July weekend. July corn was up 10 and 3 quarters Friday to 7.54 and a half. September and December corn were lower. Analysts say those declines could have been a result of spillover pressure from soybeans and wheat. September corn down 9 to 6.19 and 3 quarters. December corn down 12 and a quarter to 607 and a half. July hard red wheat fell 37 and three quarters Friday to 911 even. September hard red wheat was down 38 and a quarter to 913 and a half. Soybeans fell 49 Friday to 1626 even. That came a day after the U.S. Department of Agriculture released its soybean planting estimate. It was about 2.7 million acres lower than the March planting intentions report. August natural gas up 33 cents to 5.75. September natural gas up 35 cents to 5.74. West Texas intermediate crude oil rose over $2 a barrel Friday, according to Reuters. That's due to supply outages in Libya and expected shutdowns in Norway. The expectation is that the supply outages will outweigh recession fears. West Texas Intermediate crude up $2.56 to 108.32. September crude oil up $2.18 a barrel to 105.28 a barrel. The Dow up 231 points to 31,006. The S&P 500 up 24 points to 3,810. The Nasdaq up 54 points to 11,083. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.